Hello, everybody. Welcome to Wise Guys Sports Talk. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TheWiseGuysST. Like us, roast us, I don't really care. Make sure to smash that follow button because you're going to need to to do either one. Joining us today on Wise Guys Sports Talk is somebody who's done many things in sports media. He's done radio play-by-play for the Philadelphia 76ers. He's hosted pre- and post-game shows for nearly every team in the Bay Area. Somebody I myself have had the pleasure of meeting, sports media great Jim Cozumore. Jim, welcome to the Wise Guys. It is good being on with the Wise Guys. This is going to be entertaining and informative, so I cannot wait to do this, gentlemen. First things first, Jim, we watched you commentate the Kings game against the Magic, and man, you were electric. Is there any chance we get to see you doing that again? Well, I sure hope so. It, I had so much fun, and it's a job that I've always wanted. You know, I've, I've been involved in the NBA for 20-plus years, and I've done virtually every job there was, and the only one I hadn't done was, well, for the Kings, was TV play-by-play. I'd done it for a couple of other teams. You know, I started the NBA with the Golden State Warriors, and one of my jobs was a backup announcer on radio and TV. So I'd done it in the past, and I really enjoyed doing it. And so when I got the call that day, which was a shot, I, I only had about four, five, about five and a half hours to prepare. Um, it, I was really excited. So I'm glad it came across that I was enthusiastic. Uh, if it does happen in the future, I'll be very excited, but there's nothing on the books right now. But I appreciate you saying uh, such nice things. Wow. So you only had five and a half hours. How hard was it to like get everything and everything situated and all of your pregame stuff ready before you commentated? You know, it was really funny because the call came at about 11.15, and I was like, yeah, sure, I can do the game. Because I was, I was actually preparing to go to the city to do pre and post that night. And then I thought, oh, all right, well, I can do the game. And I got really excited. And I started shaving, and I'm looking at the clock. And I, then I realized it's not a 7 o'clock start. They're playing in Orlando. It's a 4 o'clock start. So I better start moving. So I had to drive where I live. I'm about an hour and 20 minutes away from uh, where we were going to broadcast the game from. So – I had to shower real quick, get myself all ready to go, got up to Sacramento, and um, I had about an hour and a half to go through the notes. And part of the part of the fun is finding the little mini tidbits, and I didn't have as much time as I would have liked. But you know what the key was, guys? I didn't overthink it. I really? didn't have a chance to do too much. Yeah, I didn't. I, I enjoy it. I knew I knew the Kings obviously. I had to do some homework on Orlando. But it's one of those things where all the other jobs you've done throughout your career kind of set you up for that one day, and it worked out in my favor. So it was, it, I'll tell you, it was, uh, I was exhausted by the end of the day, but I, I was on cloud nine for the next 48 hours. You've been doing a lot of play-by-play for the Pac-12, correct? Yes, yes. In fact, uh, I'll be uh, doing a couple of more games this week for, for the Pac-12, so I'm very excited about that. It's a really it's a really fun time to just be involved because we're in such a, a weird space as a society. It's good to be part of a, a little tiny semblance of normalcy. How different is it to call a game during COVID where there's no fans in the stands, especially in cities like Sacramento where fans are known to be, you know, really loud and really proud. You know, the Kings had a, had a record set at their arena with noise before. You're absolutely right with that, and it is so incredibly different. You've got to generate some of that excitement and enthusiasm. You know, some television networks have decided to pump in sound, and some arenas have pumped in sound, and they try to give you the audio version, but audibly it's not the same as physically having those people there. So you do have to muster up that energy on your own and and try to 
keep the energy alive for the full time of the game, whether it's 40 minutes in college or 48 in the NBA, you know, where you typically you could ride the energy of the fans who are there, but here you, you really have to focus and you have to stay up. You can't start to think that you're in the library and you just start talking to a guy who's standing next to you. But the physical challenges are, are there as well. You know, you can't exactly sit next to your analyst. You can't sit next to your staff person. So there are, are physical challenges for us as broadcasters, but it is different. And I do find that, that I, I work a different kind of hard when there are no fans in the stands. And you know how colleges are. Colleges have such great alumni and student sections that that usually can carry you for a while too. So, Jim, I actually had a question about, um, I guess, maybe not famous for, but you definitely have some interesting nicknames that you call people. What's your favorite nickname to call somebody? Um, that's a good one. Is there a favorite? You know, a lot of them are, you know, they're, they're kind of organic. Like, they just come up when you're in the midst of doing something. I don't know if one just jumps to mind. I think because I, I, I don't plan them out. And so I don't, um, no, for the most part, like I don't, I don't plan any particular nicknames or thoughts. I it just tends to happen. And I I think I kind of glom on and use it in that one moment. And then I, I move on along the way, but, um, I do enjoy wordplay. I do enjoy coming up with an interesting phrase or a way to describe something. And so I appreciate you saying that, that I have some good ones. I just, I wish I could be more specific on some of those that come to mind, but um, I just enjoy good wordplay, and I think that's what makes part of listening to a good show is that the, the announcers are engaged and sometimes turn a phrase that's kind of interesting. In fact, I keep a little logbook every time I hear something that I think can equate to a game, I'll write it down. That's great. And, and that's great. Yeah. So, um, so as far as instant nicknames, that's one thing, but as far as you know, having some terminology – you know, whether it's step on the gas, you know, something like that. But I keep a little notation of words I'll hear. You know what, you know what I'll do sometimes? Um, not, to, not to give away company secrets. Um, <laughs> I watch pre- pre- yeah, I, I, I'll watch Premier League games where the announcers are, are oh, British. Oh, Mario loves and, Premier Soccer. <laughs> exactly. And, and the announcers use different adjectives. phrases. Yeah, they're crazy. Where, yep, a, different adjectives. For things that we have, and uh, and every once in a while, and I first started doing this back in 2008, of all things, the first time I got called by NBC to work in Olympic Games, I just started to look at, the, I was doing badminton at the time, so in preparation, I was watching some badminton videos online on YouTube at the time, and then I noticed the, the announcer was British, and then I started to watch some Premier League games and, and write down words and adjectives, and I utilized it, and I got great reviews for my, my breadth of descriptions. And a lot of it has to do with, I wouldn't say stealing, but at least appreciating how others use the language. Well, that's really cool. I think yeah. um, a, throwback, a throwback for you, maybe you'll remember this one. I don't know. It's a guy who's really obscure, but I, for some reason, know him. But you had Andres Nocioni, and you called him, what, Yesanoni, I believe? Yeah. Yes. Um, I think he must have hit. Yeah, he hit a shot. Yeah, boy, you're going back into the. You are going to the way back machine yeah. on that one. Yes, Andres Nocioni, and I call him. Yes, yeah, yes, the only because he must have done something well or hit a shot, something big. And and I like to have fun. Like if I'm doing radio and you're driving around in the car, 
uh, and have the game on. If, if I'm not entertaining you, you're not going to be around for a while. So I like to be involved. I like to be engaged. I like to have phrases. I like to have talk. Sometimes I'll just talk like I'm talking directly to that person in the car. I noticed that. And I hope that that, yeah. And, and you know, whether you're listening online in Las Vegas or you're caught on um, I-80 on your way home for work, you think I'm talking directly to you. I want them to think I'm in the car with them. And uh, to me, that's that's the real connection you can make in radio as a play-by-play announcer. I think my favorite nickname that you had was you called Francisco Garcia, Francisco Garthria, because of the way he shot the ball. <laughs> that's, a cool, that's a good one. That is a good one. I guess I'll write these down. That's good, good memory, man. Good memory. I'm a, I'm, yeah, i got to steal these back and, uh, and run them back up the flagpole. Maybe I can uh, see if I can find some fun ones the next couple of games I get to do on uh, on FS1. So that'll be fun. Yeah, no. So um, another question I guess I have is, um, you know how, like you say, you want to be entertaining and get people to continue to listen. Is there anybody who might have influenced you or that you look up to that maybe did that before you? Or is that just something that you just decided to do yeah. to be more entertaining? That's a good question. Because I know a lot of people say, be yourself. But if you haven't done it, who's yourself? You don't really know who yourself is yet. And um, so I did have people I listened to who, in the region of the country that I was. So I grew up in the Midwest. Um, I first began uh, listening to a, a guy named Jim Durham, who was so descriptive and so on the ball. And Jim uh, was a huge, I was a huge fan, big idol. Jim's passed away. A number of, for a number of years now, but when I was working in Houston, he happened to live in Houston, but he did network stuff for ESPN, and one day he was doing the game, the Rockets game, and I was actually doing a Rockets game for the local side. He was doing the network call, and he actually came up to me and said, hey, Coach, how's it going? And he actually told me a story about something he was here, he had heard me do, and I was in awe. So he's one guy, and then another guy, George Blaha, who's currently the Pistons TV guy. I used to listen to him a lot. He was fantastic. There's a guy in Cleveland named Joe Tate who was really descriptive and really exciting and had a deep baritone voice. And those guys were fun growing up. Um, currently, you know, unlike everyone else, I'm friends with Kevin Harlan, and he is just a great guy to hang out with, and he's entertaining, and he's fun. And the thing is, his, his management gives him the latitude to have fun. There are some places who don't want you to – to be too wacky you know you're not a morning dj you're not doing morning radio you you but to have the entertainment side of it is good and i think kevin is probably the best in the game at, at using entertainment to keep us around as listeners and and viewers because i think he'll do the super bowl on sunday on radio for what's what one so I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing that a little bit yeah kevin harlem's voice in itself is just entertaining in my opinion yeah yeah, he's a great guy, too. He's so much fun to deal with and talk to. He's got a great sense of humor and a uh, really super guy. I've known him for many years. And he's, uh, he's, I, think, I think everyone in our industry loves to hear him call games because he is so entertaining and fun and energetic and descriptive. He's got the whole, you know, he's got the whole package. I do like Kevin Harlan, but I can't lie. I'm more of a Mike Breen bang kind of guy. Mike brings bang, do ya? <laughs> he, he's a good man too. I'll tell you, he's got actually he's got a great sense of humor. Um, but he's you're right, and you know what? Think of the part of the country you're in, and you're in New York where they take sports a little bit more seriously. 
They don't want you gas bagging the whole time. Um, they, you know, they like to have a guy who's pretty straight. And and Mike does a great job. I think on the network games, he's actually fun when he works with um, Jeff Van Gundy and with Mark Jackson. And I do think that you just see different parts of the country want different announcers. You know, I'm not everybody's cup of tea, and you have to understand that's one thing that you guys have to realize. You'll always find someone who doesn't like what you do. And in today's age with social media, they tend to express that point of view. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but don't you just can't focus on them. Maybe you can take something from it, and, and maybe they say, hey, it's too much of a gas bag. All right, well, maybe that is true. Let me let me investigate that. But, um, but uh, different parts of the country just have a, a different feel to it, and and it, it's different everywhere. You know what I mean? You just have to know where you're at. I'm, I, I, I'm intrigued at what goes on in Las Vegas. You know, the Golden Knights are really the team of Vegas right now. Uh, how are their telecasts and their radio shows? Are they, are they more up-tempo, exciting? I mean, the team's exciting, so how can it not be? Um, uh, personally, I think the, so. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I really okay. enjoy watching those games. You know, the team plays with a lot of energy. Sometimes it feels like it takes a little too long to score, but that's all a part of the game. And I've only been watching hockey for three years. My freshman year of college was the Golden Knights' first season, so that's when I started watching. And, you know, I've really grown to, to love the sport. Yeah, and also... Well, hockey, that's, that's, yeah, go ahead. Didn't I, mean to cut you off. Oh, no, it's okay. Um... I was already a hockey fan before I came to college, so I'm actually not a Golden Knights fan. I'm an LA Kings fan, but uh, I do I have gone to Knights games and I have heard them on the broadcast. Um, I think they're like a fifty fifty split. There's they they kind of have like a one guy who's serious hockey and like very analytical, I would say, and then another guy who's more for entertainment. Oh, okay, that's interesting. And then and and, and again, it, you have to find what fits for your particular region. And I'm a hockey fan. I love hockey. Uh, I like guys in our, our, our up-tempo. And I do like people who have a little bit of a personality, but that's what I like. You know, some people don't want you to, to say, yes, Sione. They don't want you to <laughs> say Garthria. I love you know, that stuff, they just, man. <laughs> Exactly. And that's, 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 how, that's where I come from. Yeah. That might prevent me from doing more network stuff, but it really kind of can ingrain you with a, a regional or local audience. Because then you're their guy, and and they and when you hear people or see a sign with your phrase that you had, that's pretty cool. Hey Jim, it's Robert here. Um, you sure. briefly mentioned the uh, Olympics. I was wondering how that experience was. If you have any like crazy stories, or have you met any of the athletes outside of badminton? That's a great question. Um, truth be told, here's how the Olympics are done. So when you're watching them. There are some broadcast crews on location at these sites. There is a, you know, one main basketball crew. There is one main track and field crew. There's one main swimming crew. But two-thirds of the games are done from the United States, where our announcers are back. When I started, I would be at 30 Rock in New York City. I'd go to work at midnight because that was 12 noon in Beijing, and I would be there all night all the way until – you know, sometimes 11 in the morning wow. the next day uh, because you're just announcing games over and over and over. There are so many sports that you just can't have everyone over to the other side of the world. And so I, my experience has always been with the home crew. 
And so I've done badminton, I've done shooting sports, I did curling at the last Winter Olympics, but I did I them love from the comfort of a studio in Stamford, Connecticut. So it's a fun collegial atmosphere. We stay at a hotel. Um, you do spend a lot of hours at the at the NBC broadcast compound in Stamford, but it's a great place to be. You, you, you know what you are? You're around a lot of other announcers who are really excited to be doing the Olympics, and you're around a lot of analysts where this is their Olympics also. So... The weightlifting guy, he's been lifting weights his whole life. But really, we only look at weightlifting every four years, right? That's when, like, we're not watching, you know, weightlifting on an off Olympic year. We're watching it during the Olympics, and this guy is pumped. So it's fun to work with people who are really excited about their event and what they do and really analytic about it because you can learn so much about sports that you'd never think you'd watch. And like you said, like one of you said, oh, I like watching curling. That's right. It was, it's just, it's a weird, fun sport that when you start to do the homework, you get excited about. And so, you know, you do get a chance to meet some stars like a Christy Yamaguchi because she was part of the, the figure skating broadcast team, which was in two booths over for me. And so you just see Christy at some point, you say, hey, Christy, how's it going? And you're talking to one of the greatest Olympians of all time. Eh, we're just having lunch in the commissary. So it is kind of cool to do things like that. That was me about the curling. I love curling. Yeah. I love the sweeping. There I love the go. rod. There's, I don't know why. It's just very entertaining for me. It is. It is. It's kind of a weird thing. And it's not as easy. Like, they make it look so effortless to lean over the broom, kind of brush the ice, and push with one leg and slide on the other foot. I'm telling you, I would do the splits in a heartbeat, and the <laughs> broom would probably jam in my gut, and I'd, you know, pull a groin muscle uh, trying to move on that ice. And the rack is 42 pounds, <clears throat> excuse me, 42 pounds plus, and you're trying to slide on one knee and let it go. It's amazing. It really is unbelievable. Yeah, I can't even skate, so I don't even know how they do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, yeah, so it's pretty crazy to hear how the Olympics work. Um, obviously, you're here in uh, the States. But I was wondering um, how you felt when you got the call to, you know, announce or be a broadcaster for Batman. Like, what was that experience like and how did that come across? Um, because, you know, one of the biggest events on the planet are the Olympics. And to be just even on a small version of it, you know, the badminton, it's funny. I'll give you a, a quick story. Badminton in China is enormous. Swimming in China, not as enormous. So um, in when Michael Phelps was winning all of those gold medals in China, they would have badminton on prime time. And it's nothing but badminton, badminton, badminton. Then they'd say, all right, let's go to the 100-meter final. They'd switch over to the pool. Phelps would dive in. He would swim down, swim back. He'd win the gold. they go right back to badminton. In America, <laughs> it's all swimming. Yeah. It's all swimming, yeah. so and you get very little badminton. That badminton's kind of you know relegated to the we got some spots to fill. So I'm I'm calling matches all day, and then they're just fitting them in on one of their six or seven channels that they have CNBC going on, too. and that's fun for me. But to get the call was really exciting to to get a call, <clears throat> excuse me, get interviewed from the network executive and and ask you what you think about the sport. And it's funny, I had thought I was going to do water polo that year because I had just finished doing a water polo I like match. Water polo. Or, that's a boy that is a brutal sport yeah that is physically brutal sport and they are they are brutal in the water regardless it was it's a fun thing but i thought i was gonna end up doing water polo they had someone to do water polo and i had done net sports before i'd done tennis matches before uh volleyball a lot 
And so they said, listen, would you, would you like to do badminton? And I said, I'll take whatever you got to give. Thank you very much. And I hung up the phone, and I remember just I was so excited. It was, you know, a highlight of my career at that point. And so I've been blessed to do four Olympic Games. I've had an awful lot of fun doing them. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen this time around. COVID has certainly changed the Olympic landscape. Um, they should have been held last summer. They might not be held this summer. I just saw where uh, Tokyo and Osaka both had another lockdown situation or another, you know, warning situation with COVID. So we'll keep our fingers crossed. Hopefully they'll safely be able to get the games on this year. So, Jim, I have a question. Um, mm-hmm. So at what point in your life did you know that wanting to do sports media is what you wanted to do for a living? Because, you know, I've talked to Grant, and, you know, it's something he always wanted to do since – you know, he was a really little kid, you know. Was it something that kind of mm-hmm. came to you, or was it something that you knew that you always wanted to do? Yeah, that's a good one, because I wanted to be a stockbroker when I was younger. Oh, I'm looking and into that right now. <laughs> there, there you go. So it's funny to say. So um, I, I did want to be in the investment industry. I wanted to sell stocks. I, I'd still enjoy the stock market just before going on with you guys. I was doing some homework on the stock market. Oh, so was I. (laughs) um, There you go. See? Now, I'm not smart enough to do options, but a lot of you younger guys are into the options, so I'm trying to learn more about that. But regardless, so I was young, and I wanted to be a stockbroker. And then one day, what we used to do at school, I was in high school, we would imitate the announcers in our area. So we'd, like, be watching a a girls' basketball game at our high school, and I'd do an imitation of the guy who did the Detroit Pistons. Or I'd watch a baseball game, and I'd imitate the guy who did the Detroit Tigers. And we're doing it and just kicking, you know, just guys goofing around, having fun, calling games to nobody in particular, just trying to make each other laugh. And I did it one time, and one of my buddies looked at me and he goes, you're pretty good at this. You got to think about doing it. And I never really thought about it, and I didn't know you could make a living at it, but I guess then I realized you kind of can. And so as I was going to college to Michigan State, I had to make a decision. What do you want to study? So I, I looked at it this way. I thought, if I was a stockbroker and whether I succeeded or failed at the age of 35 by the time I was going to say I got out of college at 22 23 was a stockbroker till I was 35 if I was really really successful or I really really stunk I probably would have a harder time trying to transition to be a sportscaster if I started being a sportscaster and I got to the age of 35 and I really stunk or you know and I couldn't work at all um I could go back and get my Series 7, and I can go to school, and I could still become a stockbroker. So I said, well, why don't I take the road of the one? If I fail, I could always fall back on the other. And so I went into sportscasting, and my first job was as a country music disc jockey in Silver City, New Mexico. And I have not looked back since. There's been some bumps in the road, there's no question, but uh, it's been a fun career in which I've had a chance to meet and travel with and see some of the most amazing things that I never thought I would have. So... For now, I think I made the right choice. We'll see. We'll see how that rolls. <laughs> so, I guess I, you graduated from Michigan State, correct? Um, I had a question. Was Sparty very popular um, when you were going to school, like the sports? Um, like, since, you know, the early 2000s, college basketball has been big there. Was there anything super big when you were going to school there? So, the Big Ten has always been big. Uh, fun fact, I once wore the Sparty costume. The fraternity I was in was in charge of it at the what time. What fraternity were you and in? the guy who was doing it. I was in Sigma Phi Epsilon. Oh. Sigma Phi Epsilon. Where are ETOs? And, uh, 
Oh, cool. That's awesome. Way to go, guys. <laughs> and anyway, so our our uh, our fraternity was the ones in charge of the Sparty costume, and the guy who was doing it, he was sick or injured one day, and so I wore the costume, and it was fun. It's not as cool as it is now. That's for certain. It was a little bit more, to me, it's a little more Spartan, the one that I wore. It's Spartan, but it was very Spartan. Like, there wasn't a lot to it. Um, but everything was, honestly, everything was big. You know, going to a game at what was Jenison Fieldhouse at the time, it was packed all the time. It was a great student section. Um, going to hockey games, it was packed at Mon Ice Arena. Hockey was probably the biggest one. They're the one that had an opportunity to win a national championship when I was there. They were the most successful, consistently successful. Football was going through its ups and downs at the time, and then once I left, they got better. In fact, I think two years later, won the conference. Um, but sports in the Midwest and sports in the Big Ten are really, really big, and the Big Ten network is really, really blowing up and fantastic. And I would say that it, sports there was always something that was fun, and so I always had a chance to announce things or practice things. It was a little different back then. Um, schools didn't have the same types of programs you guys had. I kind of had to do it on my own. Um, but I was, uh, you know, I was blessed to be in the position I was in, just as you guys are right now with the situation you're in. So I know you've worked, you know, all around the country in sports, obviously Philadelphia being on the East Coast, California being on the West. How did it come to you, you know, coming to California and being a big part of uh, NBC Sports? Fun one, too. Um, I, let's see, I started Silver City, New Mexico, went to Connecticut, Virginia, Wisconsin, California. I got a job with the Sixers. Uh, after two years, I left to work in Chicago in TV and radio. I was there for two years, and the Houston Rockets called. And so I said, all right, I'll go back into the NBA. So I went to the Houston Rockets. I was there for three seasons right after they won the two titles in a row. So I was with them the next three seasons. And I, I pretty much had my fill. I was at that point of about 35 years old where you're thinking, well, you know what? Maybe I'm not going to get past this. I'm kind of doing what I'm doing, and I was ready to retire and quit and start something new. When I got a phone call from the Sacramento Kings, and they wanted me to interview, long story short, I ended up going to work for them. I was only going to do it for two more years. It ended up being 10. I was in that market for 12. But while I was I was with the Kings for 10 years, then they let me go. The Maloose owned the team at the time. They had lost a lot of money in a, a land deal in Las Vegas, of all things. They treated me very well, but they let me go. And for two years, I was freelancing. As part of that freelancing, I got to know the people at NBC. At the time, it was called Comcast Sportsnet. And I did everything. I did lacrosse. I did soccer. I did football. I did basketball. I did water polo. I did tennis. Uh, I'm probably forgetting a number of things that I've done for them. But along the way, um, they grew into a regional sports network that was big with a full day's worth of programming. And I was in Sacramento, and I kind of became their Sacramento contact and I enjoyed it and then I kept getting more and more opportunities and after two years they offered me a full-time role and um, I took it moved my family to the Bay Area and haven't looked back since I was uh, almost 10 years ago so um, and in that time at NBC I've had a lot of great opportunities as you guys said I've done pre and post for just about every team if not every team in in um, the Bay Area um, had a chance to do some play-by-play -play, do a lot of West Coast Conference now I'm doing Pac-12 and I used to host uh, Sports Talk Live, which was like the anchor show on the network each and every day starting at 5. That was a big highlight of my, my time with NBC. And so I'm, I'm glad to still be with them. It's just in a different role because the, the industry is changing now. So funny story. These guys don't even know this story. You're pro they're probably going to laugh at me. 
But I remember at nine years old when you had a show on um, Sports 1140, and I remember trying to call your show as a freaking nine-year-old and getting told that I couldn't come on. Oh, that's terrible. That's awful. I, gotta, I'm gonna, I think I know who that producer was. I'm going to have to get on that guy. I'm going to tell you, Sean Cunningham was the producer. He probably up with the kibosh on you coming on, but that's cool. But you see, you had an affinity to try. You wanted to get on the air. You had a voice. You had something you wanted to say. I think that's fantastic. Good for you. I wish we had put you on. We used to. I used to love having youngsters on. He he had he tried, but he was denied. <laughs> denied at the rim. That's too bad. <laughs> he, trust me, he cannot reach the rim. Jim, I'm, I'm about as tall as you, Jim. So you know, you know the struggle. I know. That's what I tell him. Six three on the radio. I tell him I'm six three. But uh, when we post this episode, know, when we post this episode, I'll make sure to post the picture that we have together. Uh, I saw you in 2017 with oh, Doug Christie, uh, Kings versus yeah. Bucks, and Giannis just had a monster game. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he's pretty good. But um, for anyone who used to see me when I was at, I guess I was Golden One Center at the time. At Golden One Center, I actually have to stand on a box. Too, because I worked with whether it was Doug Christie or Katie Christensen at the time, now Katie Hunter, both, you know, Katie went, she's a, she's a six, three as a woman. Then she wears her high heels. She ends up being six, six. I'm, I'm a little under that. So in order to try to even the score, I uh, have to stand on a wooden box. So it's a lot of people like taking pictures of me standing on a wooden box and sending them out on social media. So <laughs> I was just telling the guys about that before we, before you called. <laughs> Yeah, eh, well, I, I like to call it um, fun size. That's what I am. A lot of people say, oh, he's short. I go, no, I like to call it fun size. That's what I'm like. And those candy bars you get at Halloween, you know, those little ones, they call them fun size. That's what I am. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jim, we mentioned that, you know, Sacramento is loud and proud, but, you know, so are A's fans, so is Raider fans. Out of all the teams you covered in your career, do you think that you have one that was an all-time favorite to cover? That is tough because, um, you know, boy, that is tough. I'll be honest with you. That is a really rugged one. Um, you know, I always have an affinity for the Golden State Warriors because it's the first NBA game I ever got a chance to call. I still have the cassette tape of me doing that game. I, I So I cherish that. Um, I, you know, I had such a long time with the Sacramento Kings. Like, I, it's clearly my, you know, favorite connection that I've made with an audience with fans that was fantastic when I was in Houston you know I had a chance to travel with Akeem Olajuwon and Charles Barkley and Clyde Drexler and and they started the WNBA at the time and and I was with them and they won you know championships right from the start so it was kind of a neat experience in Houston as well but a favorite all time to do oh boy that's just that's really tough I mean, that's really, really tough. I, I wish I could nail one down, but I've, I've been blessed. I've been in a lot of really good situations, and so it's it's really hard to narrow. But I would say those are just a few that I really have enjoyed. Um, and you know the other thing? And you know why it's so tough? I'll be honest with you. You know why it's so tough? I've been treated so well, like here in Northern California. I've been treated well by the Giants and their you know management side. And their broadcasters, you know, Krupp and Kipe have been so nice to me. On the A side, you know, Ken Korak. Oh, I love Ken Korak. Yeah, I love Ken. And he's so nice. And, and, you know, whether he sees me five days in a row or hasn't seen me in five months, 
it's like you know it's like your next door neighbor he's that nice Vince Catronio I've known him since you know since I was in AAA baseball years and years ago and then he was in Houston doing the Astros and I was working the Rockets game and and he always laughs because he used to see me rollerblading around and uh, around Rice University that's where I'd go to work out and he would always he always made fun of me for doing that and so he and I are good friends um, when I worked the Sharks games, Randy Hahn, who I think is the best announcer in the Bay Area, uh, he and his partners have always reached out and been nice to me. So it's hard for me to say there's a favorite because everyone has really treated me well. And so, and, and I've always said, gosh, I don't even know why they treat me so well, I, I, but they're so nice that I kind of like all of them. And I know that's a crappy answer. You, you want there to be a hierarchy of who you like, who you don't like. <laughs> But um, I, I really enjoy what I'm doing. That's the one thing I'll say about this industry. If you guys pursue it and want to get into it, I like sports. That's why I'm in it. I like sports. You'll meet a lot of people who, who complain and moan about sports. Don't be affected by them. I like sports, and that's why I can't come up with one answer. Because I like. if you have me do an A's game, I'm going to give it my all. I'm going to have a great time with with the announcers. I'm going to have a great time with the, the manager or whoever, whomever it happens to be. I just, I got to be honest with you. It's a, it's a great career. It's a great, great, I've been pretty blessed so far. That's all right. I mean, we don't, we don't need a hierarchy. I just think it's interesting that, you know, cause a lot of, there's a lot of negative of, um, if you're in an industry, like people higher up might not treat you as well. So it's good to hear that. It's not always like that. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're absolutely right. And, and 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 don't let that get you down. That's the one thing. Because I've I've also had some crappy places where you know some management, not from the team as much, but maybe from the radio station or wherever it happens to be, hasn't exactly been upfront and upstanding, and and it kind of sours you to the industry. But you also meet people in the industry who, who kind of they get jaded and they start to hate sport. You know what? Try not to let that affect you. I like sport. I like watching people compete in athletics. Um, so, you know, that's, to me, that's why I do this. And I hope that I can in some way connect with that audience that's listening or watching me, um, especially in local games, because I think that's the best connection you could possibly have from broadcaster to fame. And then um, another, maybe my last question that I might ask um, what is one piece of advice that you could either give or someone has given you that you would like to share with the rest of like the audience in the world? Be afraid to try new things. Um, if you want to be a baseball play-by-play person, that's fantastic. You go after that dream. But if you get a chance to do play-by-play for a different sport or a different thing, or maybe you get a chance to report on baseball, not exactly do play-by-play, the more things you can have in your holster, the more it's going to help you as whatever it is you've become. So my entire career, I had lined up to be a play-by-play person, and that's really what I knew, and I worked at it, and I thought I was pretty good at it. But the opportunity I got at NBC was to be in, in the studio and anchor and host, and I had never really done it. But I found that all the things I learned to do as a TV play-by-play person, um, I utilized that as a as an, a host or as an anchor and the way I captioned highlights or the way I wrote different stories or the way I interviewed somebody was the same way as if I was watching a game with, a, with an analyst. So what you do 
can help you in something else and you don't even see it. So, so never think you're too big to go off and do something, but never think something is too small that no one's paying attention. If you're like, I did Silver City High School against Truth or Consequences High School. And to me, that was my Super Bowl. So I treated it with the most that I could. And you'll find that that'll help you later in your career. So that would be my big piece of advice to people. Awesome. Thank you. Cool. Sure. Um, the last question we have for you, Jim, before you go, um, can you mm-hmm. give us your Super Bowl prediction? Are you rolling with the GOAT Tom Brady or the young superstar Pat Mahomes? Great question. That is a tough one. That is going to be tough. I'm going to go for the GOAT. I think that uh, the GOAT will win outright. I'm not worried about the points. I want. Here's what I want to happen. I want it to either be a two-point game or a four-point game with two minutes to go, and the GOAT's got the ball on his 20 or 25, and he's got to go the length of the field. That's what I want the game to come down to. So either you have to get him in a position to kick a field goal like he did when he won his first Super Bowl with the Patriots against the Rams, or he has to go downfield and score a touchdown to win the thing. That's what I want to see in the Super Bowl. So I'm going. I'm rolling with the goat gang, and I'm gonna. I say they win. Put it on the money line. They're gonna win. <laughs> How confident would you be in suck up making that a uh, field goal though? You know, it's not Vinatieri. It's not. It's not Vinatieri. You are correct. But suck up is a former chief, and so he would like to stick it to his former team, right? Am I getting that right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I agree with you there. Yeah, so I could see him wanting that circumstance for a two-point game, ball 25, Tom marching down the field. I'm going to bang home a 50-yarder. He's no Justin Tucker, but, man, he can still, he's still got some good uh, strength in his leg. I'm, I, I would, I'd feel great. I would love it to come down to a circumstance like that. So, Jim, what is your, what is your, final, score, your final score prediction, if you just had to I'm, just guess? 28-27, it's going to be – well, that would be a touchdown to win. How about 30? How about hmm, – boy, I want to make sure. I want to – because if it's a two-point – say it's a four-point game and they score – well, let's say they get the field goal to win the thing. Yeah, let's just call it 31-28. 31-28, Tampa Bay wins this bad boy. Uh, it's tied going into the final possession. They go down the field and they get the field goal from suck up. He sticks it to his former team, and the GOAT continues to be the GOAT. You guys got a little bit of a treat right there. You got uh, you got Jim Cosmore kind of getting into it. <laughs> Jim, yep. we appreciate you coming on, really. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Anytime. If you guys are at a game and I'm there, please feel free to stop by and say hello. I'd be happy to do this again sometime in the future. And uh, stay in touch and let me know how things are working in your careers. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, Jim. Thank you, Jim. Have a wonderful Thanks, guys. day. The next, you do the same thing. I hope everyone's doing okay. No COVID there, right? No, not nope, anymore. <laughs> Good. Sweet. All right, well, I'm Jim. glad we were able to get this in. Thank you very much, guys. I we appreciate well. it. We have hope you have you back on. Thank pleasure. you so much. Yeah, be happy to do it. All right, guys. See you guys. Thank Take you. Care. Bye-bye.